We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. I'm Laura Tremaine, and I have 10 things to tell you. And you have 10 things to tell. This show is about connection with each other and with ourselves. And the hope is that the things we talk about here will be fuel for better conversations and a personal awareness. Each episode has a prompt or a topic that I want you to take to your journal, text to a friend, or share on social media using the hashtag 10 things to tell you. This is a show about digging deeper and sharing our stuff. I'll go first. When was the last time you had to start over? By choice or by chance, in little ways or big ways, there is often a chance for us to start over, to start fresh, to start new. You know, we can do this every single morning. Or as we near the end of the calendar year, we can't help but think about winding down one season and starting another. If by no other way than the fact that the dates changed, it is still a starting over. But maybe for you, it's more than just the calendar. It's more than just December going into January. Maybe you are facing or in the middle of starting over and all of the emotions that surround that. Sometimes this is a choice and sometimes this is not. I've been thinking about starting over as I relaunch my podcast This is the first episode back in nearly a year. There are some things that I really want to stay the same about the way that I work, about the way that I create this show, about my mindset around all of these things. And then there are some things that I really want to change that a year of reflection has given me, starting with some of the reasons that I put the show on hiatus in the first place to deciding that I was going to reboot it instead of starting a whole new project or instead of, you know, just not rebooting it. I have been thinking on this topic of starting over a lot for the last couple of months. And then now that we're winding down the year, my thoughts about starting over in a work sense are tangled up with all of the things about starting over for a new year. So Wherever you are in your life and you're thinking about this, of what starting over means for you, it can be huge starting over, starting over a relationship, a job, a home, a location, or it can be a smaller starting over of just how do I want to do this day, this week, this upcoming year differently? How do I want to look at this as a fresh start instead of just being on autopilot? So I've put together 
10 prompts, 10 questions like I do around this topic of starting over. And I want you to just listen to them and apply them to whatever your situation is. They would be great journal topics or just topics to think on when you have some quiet, when you're on a walk, when you're driving your car, to just sort of be thinking about what is starting over in your life? Because all of us have something, right, with the chance to start anew. What that is, and as you listen through to these questions, how you can apply them to yourself and your situation going forward. So the first question is the most basic. Number one, we're going to ask ourselves, why are you starting over? This might be really, really obvious. You know, you've lost your job, a new year is starting, you've moved. I like naming the why, in some cases the what. I like naming exactly where we're starting because sometimes We think it's really obvious or it's really clear what we're talking about. And maybe sometimes it's not that clear. It might be an obvious like logistical thing. Again, the calendar changes. Therefore, we start over without any choice. But what is the deeper why here? Why are we starting over? Did we have a choice in the matter? Why do we feel like we need a fresh start each day or each January Saying the why out loud is hopefully clarifying, even if it's a little bit scary or vulnerable. Because naming that why, if you didn't have a choice in whatever is starting over for you, naming that why, you know, sometimes is a tender thing to say out loud or even to say in your journal. You are tired of explaining why you have to start over, especially if it wasn't your choice. Sometimes you need to say the why out loud just to have a starting point. So for me, the why of relaunching this show has several answers, actually. I wanted to. I missed podcasting. I feel like I'm good at it. I feel like I had more I wanted to say in this medium I like having a job with an income. This brings a lot of purpose and fulfillment in my life. And then the deeper why of the starting over is because I ended something. I have to restart something because I chose to end that thing. So it's a little empowering to be able to say that out loud, to really acknowledge that I had the ability to stop something because that was the right choice at the time. And now I have the ability to restart it, to start over that same thing because I choose to and because I want to. Not all restarts come with a choice. And so for me, even though I didn't think that all the way through until I was journaling through these prompts, I realized that it was empowering to me. I liked feeling like I had some control over what my work life looked like, what my work product was. When just a year ago, when I was making the hard decision to put the show on hiatus, I did not feel empowered by that in the moment because I was very overwhelmed and I was feeling very sort of out of control in my life in a lot of different areas. And it felt like a necessary choice. It was a necessary choice. But now a year later, as I'm looking in a bigger picture and I'm looking at what starting over means, I'm able to see that it is empowering that I was able to make 
that choice. So whatever you're thinking about and whatever is starting over for you, notice if it feels like an empowerment that you're able to start over at all. But I also know that not all starting over feels like that. So just try to sit in the emotion of this first prompt. Number one, why are you starting over? Number two, the prompt is what is changing? Or what do you want to change in this restart? I ask this at the end of every year, you know, when we're doing end of the year prompts, just generally, of what do you want to change in the new era, in the new year, in this new restart of whatever it is? What do you want to be different? Little things and big things, things that are out of your control. That's why I ask the question the way that it is phrased, what is changing? Because in situations where you're forced to start over, that answer is going to look a little different versus starting over in a way that occurs naturally, like when the calendar changes, or in ways that you chose. So just acknowledging what is actually changing here, if anything. When I'm thinking about what is changing for both my work and for the end of the new year, I have to look at things that are sort of already in the process of changing or having changed since I was back regularly recording a show. So in the last year, my daughter has gone to middle school. That has changed a lot of our schedule. Her school starts and ends at a different time. It's at a different location. So that's like literally changed up the logistics of our day a little bit. That affects how I work and what our daily weekday life will look like in 2023. Other things that are changing or in the process of changing is where I am recording this show. We're going to talk more in detail about that in a little bit. Prompt number seven will address sort of locations, but it is on the list for me of things that are changing that I'm actively making a change in this starting over of a work life for me and also with the calendar. So I really had to sit down and make a list of the things that are changing that I don't have logistical control over, like when school begins or ends, like the things that are just changing factually. And then also the things that I want to change. How do I want to do this next era differently? Anytime you're starting over, the things that are changing is, you know, one of the biggest components. Otherwise, you wouldn't be starting over. You'd just be keep on keeping on, but you're not. You're starting over. So acknowledging the changes that come with the restart, both again, the things you can control and the things that you can't, I think helps organize your mind. When I don't acknowledge that things are changing or when I don't notice until it's too late that something has changed, that's when I really lose my equilibrium. This is true personally, like in relationships, professionally, in my health, in my body, in the world around me. If I haven't clocked that something has changed, and and then I suddenly do for whatever reason, it really knocks me off guard. It's not that you can always know that someone or something is changing. Sometimes it is just a dadgum surprise. But it does help me, especially with my anxious brain, to 
write down or say out loud or just acknowledge in some way these things that I want to change. It's not always out of a sense of control. I've worked really hard in my anxiety that tends to want to control everything and hold everything with just the tightest grip ever so that nothing ever changes or so that I know exactly what to expect all the time. That's unrealistic. And it actually does not make me less anxious, even though I think it's going to. It very rarely does. So noticing changes or acknowledging changes or listing what you want to change does not have to come from a spirit of control. It can come from simply awareness and hopeful intention, especially as you're evaluating starting over. Of course, we could start over in any way, start the new year, start a new project, start a new era, and go right back into the autopilot that we were already living in except we just have whatever new element. We've moved, the job is new, the year is new, but everything else remains the same. Unless we intentionally chose that, I don't know that a restart is going to be all that successful. Naming what is changing or what you want to change is just such an important element of this process. And so that's why it comes in. Number two, what is changing? Number three, this one's going to be a little bit familiar because I've used this in different things I've talked about over the years. But number three is how do you want to feel in three months? Now, I just picked three months as being sort of arbitrary, but I do think it is important to put some kind of a timeline on it, how you want to feel in one month, three months, six months, next year, not just how do you want to feel generally. I think that it's helpful to give yourself little mile markers, like times that you know you're going to check in with yourself. And for me, the three-month mark works really well. It's enough time to feel like progress can really be made, like a real change can happen, but it's not so far in the distant future that you can like sort of shelve the fact that that milestone is even out there. (laughs) Like when I think about six months from now, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm not even thinking about that. Like I, I can't even get to six months from now. Six months from now in my life, I will have released my second book. My kids will almost be starting their summer vacation. These trips I've been planning for a while will have already happened. Like I can't even, I, I can't even fathom six months. For me in a starting over mode, even if it's just starting over the first of the year, Three months is the perfect time to set of, I will check back in on this in 90 days. It helps that so many of our you know, lives, our world, our financial world, our calendar world, whatever, <laughs> is broken up into quarters like this. Like we can look at it as the first quarter, the last quarter of the year, whatever. Maybe that's why my brain is trained to think about three months at a time. You know, the summer break is three months roughly. Look, It seems like from the very beginning, we're maybe programmed to think about three months. No matter. It doesn't matter. For me, it is a time frame that works. If something else works for you, if you really want to be checking in month to month, or you really do want to check in at a halfway mark, whatever that looks like for you, that makes sense. But the the prompt is, the question here is, how do you want to feel at that next mile marker? If you're just looking at the year and trying to plan for 2023, how do you want to feel in March? How do you want to feel well into the year? If you're starting a new job or a health journey or relationship, how do you want to feel a little bit down the road? Do you want to feel settled? 
Do you want to feel like you've made a certain amount of progress? If you're starting over is a new project with like a quantifiable progress level, let's say you're writing a novel, do you want to have written 10,000 words in three months or whatever? And how do you want to feel at that mile marker? It doesn't always have to be completely achievable. I really do want to focus on the feelings here, but sometimes, depending on what is starting over for you, the mile markers do have some goals attached to them, or it might just be a feeling. When you're starting over, whatever is starting over, there is a certain amount of anticipation, a little bit of nervousness. Once you're well into the thing, how do you want to feel? Do you still want to have an energy and an excitement? Or do you want to feel really grounded and peaceful about it? Do you want to feel in three months, for example, like you've really put in the time, you've really put in the work, and you feel satisfied with yourself about that? Do you want to feel strong? Do you want to feel rested? When you put a mile marker like this ahead of yourself, when you put something that you're working towards, this is why I like it to be a specific named time frame. When you do that, it keeps you from fully procrastinating. And I mean this emotionally or logistically. If you knew that a huge project was due, you would not wait until the night before to start it. You would know that you needed to incrementally do at least some pieces of it so that it was completed on time. The same is true when you're looking at a even an emotional mile marker because it does something in your brain that makes you understand you have to put in a little bit of the work every day. If you don't name some kind of check-in space, like if you just start over and you're just like, I'm hoping for the best, a lot of times it's very likely you will get down the road as we're saying, and you'll just be like, why don't I, why don't I know if I'm going in the right direction? I am sure that you can agree that literally no one wants to smell bad. But sometimes regular underarm deodorant just isn't cutting it. Or maybe it's not your underarms that need help. With Lumi, you don't have to worry. Lumi is the first of its kind in total body deodorant and is fully safe to use anywhere on your body. It is clinically proven to block odor all day and control it for up to 72 hours. The secret is mandelic acid, where instead of masking odor with a fragrance, it stops the odor before it even starts. I especially love that Lumi deodorant is baking soda and paraben free, as well as pH balanced for safe use on all areas of your body. You can choose from a variety of bright scents like clean tangerine, lavender sage, and toasted coconut. Lumi's starter pack is perfect for new customers. It comes with a solid stick deodorant, cream tube deodorant, two free products of your choice like a mini body wash or deodorant wipes, and free shipping. As a special offer for listeners, new customers get 15% off all Lumi products with our exclusive code. And if you combine the 15% off with the already discounted starter pack, that equals over 40% off the starter pack. Use code U for 15% off your first purchase at lumideodorant.com. That's code U, Y-O-U, at Lumi, L-U-M-E, deodorant, D-E-O-D-O-R-A-N-T.com. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. 
We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Like, why don't I feel how I thought I would feel? If at the beginning of the process or at some point in the process, you say, okay, this is what I'm working towards emotionally or logistically, and I'm going to check in on it at a certain point, then emotionally that is always there in the back of your brain. I have this check-in looming. Looming sounds ominous, but you know what I mean? I I know that I'm going to check in with myself in three months. This is how I want to feel. Am I on that path? If for some reason you are unsure about how you want to feel in three months after starting over, like perhaps your starting overness is very chaotic or disruptive or heartbreaking, and you're just like, I can't even, it's impossible for me to name how I want to feel in three months. I have no idea. These are all new waters for me. That's understandable. And give yourself all the grace in the world. And Acknowledge that out loud too. I mean, that's the answer for you to this prompt. I don't know. I can't see three months down the road. And I'm just saying that out loud. I mean, I am day to day. Even that acknowledgement, I am day to day, is taking some of your power back emotionally. Because even then, you are setting the timeline for how you are going to feel and how often you are going to be able to check in with yourself. Survival mode when you were talking about starting over, is a a pretty different animal from starting over a new podcast project. (laughs) You know, I really want you to know that I know that. So all the grace in the world for whatever your starting over-ness is. But if you're able, go ahead and set a timeline for yourself of how you want to feel in three months. Here on the podcast in March, which will be three months into the new year, we will check in. I will come back and I will ask you, how do you feel? And is it how you wanted to feel in month three of starting over a new year? Okay, number four, what lessons will you take with you into the new era? So starting over, whatever it is, usually for adults does not mean that you're a whole new human. It is not a whole completely new identity. Even if whatever is starting over for you is pretty massive, we've all lived a life before we started over. And there are going to be some good things that we want to take into this new era. So putting down those lessons lets you remember what was good about the before, what you've learned, what is going well. You know, often at the end of the year, I ask, as we approach the new year, what is going well? What do we want to continue? And so this is the starting over version of that, is what lessons will you take with you that you want to continue in this next iteration of you? I have learned so many lessons over the years in podcasting, starting back when I was a co-host on the Sort of Awesome podcast and didn't know anything about the technical aspect. Back then, I just showed up on mic and talked. Then when I have created other projects and shows since then, Smartest Person in the Room, 10 Things to Tell You, Secret Stuff, 
With each of those projects, I have learned lessons that just build upon one another. And when you do something long enough, you become an expert in it. And I don't think we give ourselves enough credit about that, especially if it's a real slow burn. But we have learned things from our mistakes or from our successes that we are constantly taking forward. And maybe we don't even like give ourselves the kudos for what we've become rather good at because it's second nature because we've been doing it for a long time. Parenting, like cooking meals, having a routine, our work. I mean, sometimes we just think, well, this is just a thing I do. Like, of course, I know how to cook dinner. I've been cooking dinner for 20 plus years. When if you really sat down to look at these lessons of starting over and looking at even some of these basic things of like, oh, I have become actually quite successful at certain aspects of my life. I can feed my family well. I am good at my job. I have learned these things that are serving me and my life. And I'm going to continue to do that. I'm going to take that into this new era. I'm going to be proud of myself for mastering certain things. There are so many ways that we have lessons that we carry forward with us. Sometimes we learned what doesn't work. Sometimes we've had to learn things because we've made a mistake and we're like, yeah, well, I'll never do that again. (laughs) And even by saying, yeah, I'll never do that again, like it sort of removes that decision from our brain, I guess. Let's say if we're like, yeah, I will never take this task on again. It was just too much. That may make future decisions easier because you have already decided. That is a lesson that you've learned about yourself and you've already decided it. But putting it in the context of starting over and in what lessons, good or bad, you're taking with you moving forward, you are really showing yourself or showing others that you know best about this restart. doesn't mean you know everything best. We're also learning everything all the time, but it removes us from the feeling when we're starting over sometimes we can just feel like brand new bunnies. Like, what are we doing? We can feel like we're flailing. We can feel like total newbies. And acknowledging you're not new. You're not totally new to everything all the time. There are things that you have learned that are hard fought in you that make you not helpless, that prove you do know what you're doing and makes the starting over part not something that's happening to you, but something that you are marching forward in. That's how I want you to feel about starting over, chosen or not. And that's how I want you to take this number four prompt. What lessons will you take with you into the new era? Quick break to make sure you know about my private podcast and community called Secret Stuff. Secret Stuff offers bonus content like in-depth personal episodes, book club conversations, and two monthly Zoom gatherings hosted by me. Also starting in 2023, Secret Stuff will have ad-free versions of the 10 Things to Tell You podcast every single week. Your membership can be monthly or it can be annual. Join us by going to 10thingstotellyou.com slash secret stuff. And now back to the show. Okay, number five. Number five is who are your key players? For any kind of starting over, I want you to identify who the key people are in your life, whatever key means to you, your biggest helpers, your dearest friends, your confidants, the people you want to focus on, your kids, a boss, 
your closest friends, a spouse, a neighbor. Maybe it's the people who help you be the best you can be, you know, a trainer, a coach. Who are the key players? And you can't really have two dozen key players. <laughs> I mean, I guess if you're doing the most general version of starting over, starting over the new year, yes, you might have like a real list of who your key players are if you're listing all your family members, coworkers, friends, etc. Maybe your list will be a little bit longer. If your starting over project is a little bit more specific, I think you will be too overwhelmed or it feels like too big of an ask if you have like tons and tons of key players. <laughs> key is the key word here. And the key players are just the most important people closest to you in this process. So when I'm looking at relaunching this show, I have less than five key players. I have my operations manager, Caroline. I have my producer and editor, Colleen. And then I have, as like a third key player, just in a general way, the audience, you. You are a key player to how I make this show. I'm always thinking about the audience. When I'm looking at starting over in terms of just the year, 2023, my list is going to look quite different. I have each of my family members, close friends. I mean, we all have like a roster of people that make our life full and wonderful, also that we have to attend to in some way. They are key players in our life in a general sense. And while I don't like love the feeling I get when I have to identify like sort of my tightest circle, no one really likes to like rank people in their life. I mean, you know, that can just start to feel icky. But I will say there is something very valuable to me of identifying these key players, knowing that these are the people who are most important to me right now. This is who I want to prioritize. This is who is the most helpful to me or brings me the most joy, whatever the category is in your life. When you're starting over, starting fresh, there is a value in to, in to sort of realizing that there, there might be some relationships in your life that are holding you back. They're an energy drain. They're bringing a lot of negativity. Of course, we can't always like choose. I am against the idea that you can like cut off every single relationship in your life that isn't full of rainbows and unicorns because that is not real life. That is not regular relationship. I just don't believe in that. However, in a start fresh mode, you can really evaluate like who your tightest circle is, what relationships you really want to feed. If this is a work project that you're starting over with, like who brings the most value to your company, to your job. This isn't about cutting people out or this isn't about severance for me in any way. This is more just about like noticing who your inner circle is, as the original prompt goes, who your key players are that make this starting overness go well. And then after identifying that, then not getting it mixed up. Because sometimes we give a lot of attention to somebody who really shouldn't be a key player. They're taking up a lot of our emotional energy or like logistically our actual schedule. They're taking up too much of it and it is affecting 
our ability to start over well. This is a personal inventory of that. So that if you realize that someone that you've named as a key player, if you get to your three-month mark that we're going to get to, and you realize you've kind of neglected them, at the beginning of this process, you named them a key player, and you haven't really talked to them much or spent much time with them at the three-month mile marker, then what does that mean? Does that mean that your actions don't reflect what's in your heart? Or does that mean they really aren't the key player you thought they were? Naming who your key players are also reminds you of where to put your energy, your time, your money, if that's relevant, instead of using up those resources on non-key players. So that's number five. Who are your key players? Number six, this is the one I warned you we were going to get to, where is your safe spot? So I'm a big believer in that your space matters, that your location matters. And I just mean how your home feels, how your room feels, how your office or cubicle feels. Everyone has different tastes and preferences here. Everyone has different like priorities for which spaces matter and which don't. But I really believe it can affect your mood, your energy, your output. If you love the space that you're in, if you are able to personalize the space that you're in, make it your own, make it to your own taste, it can just have such a huge effect on your life. So I want you to name where is your safe spot. This can be as simple as like your favorite chair, reading corner, cozy blanket area in your home, where that's where you want to root yourself in 2023. That's where you want to go to feel grounded, to journal, to meditate. That's just a place where you want to come back to yourself in your home. It can just be one little spot like that. In my case, this is very, very work-related. So as I am restarting this show, starting over, and I was really prepping because I made this decision a couple of months ago. So I was, as I was really prepping and asking myself versions of these questions, like what do I want this new era of the podcast to look like? One of the things that really mattered to me and definitely mattered to my <laughs> editor, Colleen, was that I record in a better space. The space where I was recording in my new house was in my home office, which is also in my closet. I know it's confusing in this new house. It's a beautiful space, but it is loud. There's a big air conditioning, like duct fan thing that blows a lot. It affects the audio quality, or sometimes I have to just wait until it goes off. It's a very long story why I cannot control (laughs) when the air blows in this room. But suffice to say, it has been a little bit of a recording nightmare if it comes on or goes off when I'm recording solo or with a guest. It's it's just hasn't been my best recording space in this home office, which should, you know, be a, a place where you could record. It felt like one of those things I didn't have a ton of control over. I mean, you know, you can only there's only so many places in my home. I work from home where a person can record a podcast and it be quiet. And it felt like my closet was the place. Turns out it actually wasn't really working. So For this new iteration, we have repurposed another space in the house for me to record. And there's a few things about this. Obviously, I'm saying this knowing it's like fully a luxury that I'm able to change up my podcast space. I mean, just not everybody is is able to change their work 
environment. I totally get that. But as you're thinking about this prompt, where is your safe spot in starting over? Where do you want to feel anchored? Where do you want to do your best work? Where do you want to feel safe and most like yourself in this process of starting over? I was able with my family to make this decision to change where I record. And as soon as I made the decision, which felt, I don't know, kind of scary to me, or like I was sort of like emotionally and logistically taking up too much space with my work in our home. That's how I felt before. Once the decision was made, I felt like a whole renewed sense of, I don't know, professionalism, energy. I don't know. Like I started to feel like, okay, I have been doing this for six years. I am very happy to be out of my closet recording in a place I can call my own. It was a long time coming And also, it really matters to this starting over process because, as I've always preached, space matters. And I wasn't even taking my own advice there because I, like, for many complicated reasons, I couldn't see the forest for the trees. Like, I didn't even feel like there was another option. There was and there is, and we're moving forward with that. But we often get stuck in our cycle of thinking of like, well, this is a thing I can't change. In this part of the starting overness, I'm stuck in it. I don't have a different space. I don't have the budget to change up the space I have. I don't see the need for it. Or whatever we tell ourselves. We tell ourselves all kinds of things about our space, our homes, especially when we share them with others, right? I I get all that. I also think that everybody needs a little spot in their home or in their workplace where they can feel like this is where I belong. This is the place where I'm going to be me once a day or throughout my work day or on the weekend. This is going to be my safe spot. So number six is where is your safe spot? And I want you to identify that. And if you don't have it, I want you to try and create it. Get yourself that cozy blanket, that better office chair, or start treating that area as a place where you feel anchored instead of just a place you have to be or a place you walk by all the time. Everybody needs a space. Everybody. And when you are starting over with all the vulnerability of that or the fresh chance of that, let your location, your literal location, be an anchor for you. Okay, number eight. What does big picture success look like for you? This is the hardest question for me personally. Now, I feel like business people or other personality types are really able to name what success looks like for them. And I always struggle with this one. I don't know if it's because it's really hard for me to put like very solid goals out there. I just, I very squidgy about goals, like concrete goals. I mean, this is personal and professionally, I feel this way. And so when I'm ever asked, and I feel like I have been asked recently in a couple of different scenarios, both personally and professionally, like what does success look like for you? And I um, I want to run from this question. I like physically am like, please don't ask me that. I, I just, I hate it. However, when I was making this list and like thinking through my own starting over process and What starting over really means, I just kept coming back to this. And so I had to include it, even though I hate this prompt, I think it's really important. What does big picture success look like for you? 
So again, if you're just looking at the year, you know, a fresh start in 2023, does big picture success just mean health and happiness and time with friends and a little bit of travel? And, you know, that might be a more general answer for this is what it means for me to have a successful year. If you're looking at it, of course, from a business standpoint, you might have financial goals, sales goals. For me as a podcaster, is it, you know, download numbers, book sales? What does big picture success look like for you? As much as I hate this question, the value in it when you're on the other side of it, so this is one that you can name that this is what you want, but you can't really evaluate it until much later down the road, right? And when you do, if you are able to hit whatever your goal was, if it was more tangible, then celebrating wins is such an important part of life and such an important part of the process, which I acknowledge. And I love the celebration part. And I do celebrate things. But most of the time, it feels like I'm celebrating something that I didn't necessarily plan. I just reached it. So I turned 40. I celebrated 40 because I got there. But it wasn't like I said the year before, you know what I want to do. My big picture success would be to make it to 40. I just happened to get to 40 happily and celebrated it. Same with, for example, let's say the first time I got a million downloads. I was thrilled when I saw that number. Like I was elated. Oh my gosh, I got to a million downloads. Like how amazing. I have worked for this. Like this is a thing that I put a lot of effort into, but I didn't name that. I didn't say I want to get my first million downloads. It was just when it happened, I sort of celebrated it. But in a business sense, in a starting over sense, if you can name your vision of success, aren't you more likely to get there? And then you're certainly more likely to celebrate it, right? So as much as I hate this question, I do see so much value in it, especially especially when we're talking about starting over And especially in those times in your life when you're in a valley instead of a peak, when you're feeling like things aren't going great, but you can't really name specifically why it's not going great because you didn't name what success is, what great is. It's harder to climb out of that valley when you don't have a goal, when you don't have a picture for what you're working towards. So number eight is naming what does big picture success look like for you? And if you're doing this, looking at the year or in any way you can name that with a team, I think is even better. So maybe your family talks about what big picture success looks like in 2023. Maybe your work team can have something they're working towards of this is what success will look like for us in this coming year or quarter or project. It's helpful for everyone, really. This is one of the ones that, although it's hard for me personally, it is especially good in a group sense. What does big picture success look like for you? Number nine, is there a habit or routine that will make change easier? You would think that maybe this would be higher up on the list, like something we ask ourselves earlier on. But when I was making this list and sort of figuring out the order of events, if you will, I realized that for me, at least... I can get so mired in details, like I said earlier about changing up where I record. I I can't see the forest for the trees because I'm really in like the nitty gritty details instead of seeing the big picture. I am sometimes, as established, 
nervous about the big picture. And so I love to name a habit or routine. That's the kind of change I'm very comfortable with because I love to tick off a box. I love to feel like I did something right, like I had this small win. I love these daily small wins. And so naming habits or routines, sometimes I do that without thinking about the big picture. If I do that first, I sort of lose sight of why I'm doing it in the first place. Because I'm so happy to do this daily minutia thing, even if it's a good thing, even if it's a thing that is moving me forward, that I can't always see that three-month mile marker well. I can't always see this big picture vision well. And so I didn't want to name habits and routines at the beginning of this process. I wanted to think through all these bigger pieces of this process, all of the emotional and sort of spiritual energy around starting over. I really wanted to get that in place before I started giving myself tasks and really making things very, very black and white. Because when you're starting over, you do need a process. You do need to-do lists. You do need things that are in black and white. But that's not where I want every piece of my energy to go. I need to get my insides in alignment. I need to feel right about what is starting over or what I'm embarking upon before I can start giving myself ways to fail. And so yes, habits and routines are so important. And what you do daily, the things that you do daily will absolutely change the trajectory of any path that you're on, for better or for worse. But I need to know the vibe I'm going for first. I need to identify all of these parts of starting over that are emotional and really get a good grasp on the direction I'm trying to go, the road I'm walking on before I add in all these details. So the habit or routine that will make change easier. Some of these things are very boring for me to list out for you, but like when I record how our team handles social media, the systems and processes we have in place with like our editorial calendar. I mean, all of these are some of this is like boring minutia, right? It has to be done though. You have to have certain things that will make projects easier, that will make your new era easier. But don't ever lose sight that that is not the thing. That is not for me the work of making the show of what I'm trying to do in a big picture way. It's not just about pressing record and talking into a microphone. I have to get my mind right before I dig into what the routine should be. Now, with that said, I will acknowledge that there was a part of the book Atomic Habits by James Clear. Have you read that book? I feel like everyone in America has read that book. It's been on the bestseller list for like two years or more or something. The book Atomic Habits has this whole section at the beginning. It's what I remember most about the whole book that has really stuck with me that is about how when you're trying to change or create a new habit that you have to tie it to your identity or you don't have to, but this is the most successful way to change your habits or routines is not just to eat better because you know it's like better for your heart health. I mean, that's not going to inspire a lot of change for people, let's say but because you want to be known as someone who eats healthy. not It's not always about like reputation. It's how you see yourself also. Like if you see yourself as a healthy eater, you see yourself as a yogi, therefore you have to do yoga every day. You see yourself as a writer. You want that to be part of your identity or it is part of your spiritual identity, but there is no habit behind it. Then you have to 
right to be a writer. Habits and routines that are tied to who you want to be or who you really see yourself as are the most effective. So that's my way of saying I'm putting this habit prompt towards the end of this process because I think it will come more naturally once you've identified all these other pieces of what starting over looks like. But I do know that certain habits or routines can really make or break your starting overness. You put certain habits and routines in place so that you can achieve your big picture success. And I just didn't want to start with the daily routine and work up. I wanted to start with the whole idea of starting over and work down into the minutia. That's why it's number nine. Is there a habit or a routine that will make change easier? And number 10, finally, also one that could be used at the beginning, but I'm purposely putting it here at the end. Number 10 is what are you excited about for this change? When you are starting over, whether it's by choice or not, write down what you are excited about so that you can remember that and hold onto it when things get hard, because there will come a part of starting over that is hard. Always, even if you're just starting over the new year, you'll hit a bump in the road in 2023. We all will at some point. But if you're starting over in a job, in a relationship, in a new home, in a new town, remembering what you were excited about in the beginning will be something to cling to when something goes sideways. So whether you're at the beginning part, you know, you're at the very beginning of whatever it is you're starting over, or maybe you're already a little bit down the road of something that you're starting over. Sitting down and just making a list. I'm talking a bullet list. This does not have to be like long exposition journaling. This is an actual list. Do it in the notes app on your phone. I don't care. But what are you excited about for this change? It brings good energy. It's almost like, you know, why people keep a gratitude journal is when you start to write down what you're grateful for, you like remember what you're grateful for and it starts to feel good in your heart. When you write down what you are excited about for this change, what you're excited about for this project or this next year or whatever it is that's starting over, this is forward momentum. You are excited. If what is starting over for you is not exciting, because sometimes it's not, can you pull out of those ashes something that you're actually excited about to start anew, that starting fresh will be a relief in some way? Even if it's just one or two things, even if that feels like an impossible task, maybe come back to it. Maybe you're not ready for it. But whatever you're starting over looks like, saying out loud what you're excited for, there is something to verbalizing that. We're going to talk more in a coming episode about verbalizing things and what that does to kind of your psyche when you say things out loud, even if it's just like, I love you, or this is so fun, or anything like that. I have really learned a lot of lessons about that in the last year. And this is sort of part of that idea. Saying out loud, writing down what you are excited about really solidifies it and really makes it real. What I am excited about in my current starting over, which is relaunching this show, is several things. I love having a weekly deadline. Now, I've gone back and forth on this in my life. Sometimes it has been a real drudgery to have a weekly deadline to get a show out every single week, depending on whatever else is going on in my life. But right now, after a little bit of a a chaotic, from a scheduling point of view, a chaotic 
year, I am excited to have this weekly deadline. It makes me feel good and fulfilled to make something new every single week. I am craving that. I'm also excited about having great conversations, like publicly and privately and all the things that come with this work I do on the show. I've had my head down a lot of this past year working on my book, which is a very solitary activity, and it's just like me and the screen. Some days that's nice. Sometimes that is very lonely and annoying, and I would rather be talking. So I'm excited about talking to other people, talking to you, using my literal voice. Like I said, I've spent this year writing, but I firmly believe I really found my writing voice even more by being on this microphone. I found my voice by using my voice. And so I'm very excited to be back to that and to see what new lessons or skills, you know, come out of that in this new era. I'm excited about my new podcast space. Very excited about that. But most of all, I am excited to share myself right now. I mean, as cheesy as that sounds, because I know I wrote a whole book about sharing your stuff, but this is really very meaningful to me, this sharing piece. And sometimes we need to go inward. I actually needed to go inward a little bit after a rocky 2021. I needed 2022 to, yes, write my book for sure, but also I needed to go inward a bit. And it was good to do so. And it was healthy. And, you know, I needed it in a lot of ways. And I'm sure that will come in, you know, waves and all of that. But I, I am excited to share myself again. And then lots of other just sort of logistical details. I'm, you know, excited about my new podcast art. I'm excited about some of the new systems we have in place that are like boring and tedious, but I'm excited because I think they will work. This is what is good about having the chance to start over is that we get to name what works and what doesn't, what we hope will work. We get to make these tweaks and changes I have a whole other list of things I'm excited about for the coming year, 2023. I have some travel on the books. My book, The Life Council, will come out. My kids have some fun stuff. I mean, all of these things that we have in our personal lives, like just writing them down, being excited about them as we start over, it it just brings forward momentum. And so that's where we're ending it, by naming what we are excited about as we start over. Wherever you are in your life, whatever is starting over for you, and wherever you are in the starting over process, I hope that these prompts were helpful. I hope that they made you think about things in a slightly different way. And more than anything, in my own starting over process, I am so excited to be back here with you sharing prompts, sharing my heart. This is a unique space for me and I hope for you. So thank you for being here for being a part of my starting over. You've just listened to an episode of the 10 Things to Tell You podcast. For show notes and links, go to 10thingstotellyou.com. Make sure you're following us on Facebook and Instagram at 10thingstotellyou. And you can also join our free connection group on Facebook to discuss episodes and topics. For bonus content, ad-free episodes, and monthly Zoom gatherings with me, join my Secret Stuff Patreon community by going to 10thingstotellyou.com slash secret stuff. Thanks for listening.